Hi and welcome to my latest podcast. I'm super excited you're joining me as we go through the Gospel of John and we look at Jesus through the eyes of one of his best friends and we come across some incredible theological gems, some wonderful stories and just this amazing perspective that's really different from the other three Gospel writers. So buckle up and join me, Paul White, as we saunter through the book of John. Good morning lovely saunterers, welcome to another saunter in the incredible book of John and well done for everyone who's tracking with me. Um, This is an incredible book and I think we just have got so much Pro, it's so, I was going to say protein, so much kind of rich food here to kind of try and process each time. And it's kind of a challenge to try and talk in half an hour about something which really could even be a whole book in itself sometimes. Just certain passages of this chapter is like, man, this is so intense. But we're going to pray, ask the Lord to help us. And I'm sure he will. So, Lord Jesus, we know you're there. We know you're part of this. We know you want to speak to us today. And so we invite you. Holy Spirit, come speak to us today. Fill our homes, fill our lives, fill our hearts. And Lord, we want our lives to be revolutionised as we look at your word. Lord, shape us and make us like yourself. Amen. Morning, Tracy Ann. So, John chapter 14 a very familiar chapter, perhaps for some, I think the first bit here, we often hear Reddit funerals, and uh, I, <laughs> good morning Fran, and maybe we'll think a bit differently about it by the time we're finished, I'm not trying to um, hijack anyone's pet theories, but I just want to <laughs> kind of say, hold on a minute, there's more to this than just um, what we might superficially think. So chapter 14, verse one, he says, let your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God or you believe in God. Believe also in me. So it's it's kind of like believe in God. Believe also in me. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Sorry, let me get this right. (laughs) Because this is important. He says, in my in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Right. Full stop. Let's just pause there a second. So Jesus is kind of about to expand a whole kind of idea for us about dwelling and if anyone's familiar with the next chapter John 15 he talks about abiding in the vine and like remaining dwelling kind of making our home in the vine right well this is same this is all part of the same train of thought that he's saying this is so it's really interesting and the word there he says for house in my father's house is Akia, like Ikea, <laughs> although it's this is Greek, this is Akia, and it means house. We have the word, we might know the word oikos, which 
it's the same from the same kind of it's the same word but it's this ikea and he says in my father's house which can mean household or dwelling you know kind of my physical house or my household i.e the people who are part of my house like he might say the house of windsor in relation to our monarch and so on and so he says in my father's house are many rooms now some translations translated that many mansions and the word there is money which is which means dwelling it's kind of like where we come home to it's where we reside where we hang out it's our abode if we think of the old english word of abode it really ties in really well with abide which is like remain there and he's saying in my father's house are many abodes there are many money there are many dwelling places places to dwell and he says i go to prepare a place for you so there's what he's saying is there's a lot of room there's a lot of space there's capacity and there's actually something personal for you there now in funerals we always assume that when jesus is talking about this he's talking about heaven and keith green famously wrote a song that had in it the phrase something like this you took seven days to make the earth but you've been working on heaven for two thousand years and you kind of think well if it's taking that long what kind of place is it and what's it supposed to be like and so on maybe there's a now and not yet aspect to this that's what i want to say so maybe he's talking about heaven and the ultimate fulfillment of this but i do believe that he's speaking very much about now and where is he about to go to he's about to go to the cross isn't he he's about to face the most brutal death on the cross and so when jesus is going to the cross he's preparing a place for us he's making a place for us he's making a way physically by his body being crucified on the cross and the way being opened up so what happened when jesus died on the cross at that exact moment that he gave up his spirit the place that's the the veil which was about a foot thick in the temple that separated the holy place from the the holy of holies that was torn from the top to the bottom good morning Shep good morning Anne and George and it was torn from the top to the bottom so in that moment of Jesus's death literally a physical way as Jesus's body was his Jesus's physical life came to an end a physical way was torn open into the most holy place of the temple right this is really important it was about a foot thick of different kinds of cloths and tapestries and um, animal skins and all this kind of thing that had been added to over the years and centuries. And supernaturally, from top to bottom, it was torn in two. Now, this would, for the Jewish person, this was momentous. This this was unprecedented, never happened before. And what it was, was like this physical sign that as Jesus gave up his life, gave up his mortal body, surrendered to death, 
for you and I, he made a way into the very presence of God. So Jesus is saying, I go. This is what I'm about to do. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Well, Jesus came back from the grave, but we also know that ultimately he's going to come back again and take those of us who are still living at the time to be with him forever. So there's an ultimate fulfillment of that. And when we die, if we die before he comes, we'll be with him forever. And so, But what he did was literally in the next few hours the next he 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 fulfilled this this word he he actually made a way physically he tore that curtain open he made a way for us to be with god the father forever but beginning now so this is not just when we die stuff this is here and now stuff as well and so he says if i go and prepare a place for you i will come again and i will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So where is Jesus? He is in intimate, personal, face-to-face -face relationship with the Father. And we'll see this, this just if we bear with me a bit, we'll get there. But he's in that intimate place of relationship with the Father. There is no veil between him and his Father. There is nothing between him. There is... And, and his father, he is in the most holy place all the time. And now he's saying, right, I am making a way for you, my disciples, my followers, to come into that most holy place of relationship with the father as I am enjoying right now and <clears throat> and will ultimately forever and ever enjoy. And so he says, and you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas says to him, and I think fair enough, Thomas. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Listen to this. Jesus said, you know the way. You know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas says, we don't even know where you're going. How can we know the way? This is, this is a perfectly logical argument. But then Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth and the life. Thomas, you know me. You know the way. I am the way. <laughs> he says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And listen to this. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way to get to God the Father except through Jesus. The reason Jesus gave his body on the cross, the reason Jesus' body was stretched and torn and pierced and cut open was to that so that the veil that separated God um humanity from God which is our sin could be forgiven paid for taken away removed so that we have access directly to God himself so that we can come into the father's house the father's oikos the father's akia we can come into that household, not just when we die, ultimately, hurrah for that, but we can come into that household now and enjoy the intimacy and privileges of a member of God's household. 
day by day by day in the same way that Jesus did where I am you can be with me and so on and so on so he's going to prepare a, he he was literally going to prepare a place for them that they could then occupy from then on it wasn't just oh yeah and when you die we'll see we'll meet again because actually they met before the disciples died didn't they Jesus came back from the grave and his promises are all all these promises then are available to these guys right so so Jesus says I'm the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me if you had known me you would have known my father also from now on you do know him and have seen him you've seen me you've seen the father listen to this is what Jesus was about to say so he's saying you if you had known me you would have known my father also so to the disciples listen guys when you're hanging out with me it's like you're hanging out with the father anyway so if you've known me you've known him wow extraordinary this is really important this is so profound right philip said to him lord show us the father and it's enough for us so philip's still not quite getting it he's still thinking there's something more isn't there jesus there's something that you haven't told us there's some some extra we can have and and philip and jesus said to him have i been with you so long and you still do not know me philip what whoever has seen me has seen the father do you not um how can you say show us the father do you not believe that i am in the father and the father is in me the words that i say to you i do not speak on my own authority but the father who dwells in me there's that word again mene uh, meno which is to abide to dwell don't you know that the father dwells in me i'm his house he lives in me now we're going to have to kind of <laughs> have a bit of revelation i think to make it work to kind of for our brains to expand to fill, to comprehend some of these things but jesus is saying philip you want to see the father you've seen him he's uh, he's in me he dwells in me he lives in me this is where he is he resides here in me and i've been you've if whoever has seen me has seen the father how can you say show us the father and so he's saying you don't need to to have another revelation of the father because i am the revelation of the father he is living in he dwells in me in everything i do so when i pick up the child to bless them that's the father doing precisely that when i reach out my hand and touch the person with leprosy that's the father doing that when i raise the widow's son that's the father doing that this is what god is like he's like me when i go into the temple with a whip and drive out the <clears throat> money changers and the people with their pigeons and sheep and everything that are in the temple where they should not be but it should be a house of prayer that is my father this is the father doing these things it's not me jesus independently thinking i'm fed up today i'm going to make a whip and smash some stuff this is actually the father cleansing his house the zeal of the lord has you know consumes him and so on so jesus is saying guys look at me i'm he for you and me 
What is God like? Well, let's look at Jesus. That's precisely what God is like. Jesus is precisely what God is like. The the later writers of the New Testament in the epistles, they talk about Jesus being the exact representation of his being. He's not just a tiny bit like God. He is the exact representation of him. He's not a facsimile. He's him. He is him. It pleased God to have all his fullness dwell in him. Jesus. Right. Come on. This is cool. Right. So he's saying the father dwells in me. So this is all. We're still in this place of dwelling and thinking about residing in God and God residing in us. God, God abiding in us. And so Jesus is saying the father abides for the father who abides or dwells in me does his work the words i say to you i do not speak on my own authority but the father who dwells in me does his work verse 11 believe that i am in the father and the father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves he says surely he's going back to this thing if you this is too complicated for you philip just look at what i'm doing look at the miracles it's because god dwells in me it's because he has, his abode is here. I am a temple. I am the temple. This thing out here, this edifice that has become so corrupt and departed so far from its original purpose. This thing is obsolete now. It's going to fall down. I'm the temple. And we'll see as he goes on that we're the temple as well. So here we go. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, Jesus is obviously we know from history and we know from the events of the Bible that Jesus is going back to the Father. So this is not just, oh, this is all mystical and it's all kind of about a union with God and so on and it's not, none of it's actual happening. Jesus does go back to the Father and he does leave the disciples. He comes back for a bit after his resurrection, but then he leaves them on their own. But he says, actually... I am going to the Father, and because I go to the Father, you're going to carry on doing the stuff that I've been doing, but even greater things, you're going to actually see even greater things happen, which is incredible, isn't it? And in terms of scale and global reach, the church has obviously way outstripped what Jesus was capable of doing whilst he was in his physical body on the earth, but Jesus is doing those things through his church, but there's still more. There must be thousands of people who have been raised from the dead since Jesus raised Lazarus, for example. There must be thousands who've experienced that. And we saw we saw a prayer for somebody who was in a a coma and was declared brain dead by the specialists and surgeons and so on. They said, we're going to turn the machine off. He's alive and well today. And God has restored him. And it was because of people praying 
and we were among those who prayed. So that's very exciting because we feel like that's our little story as well. We're part of that story, which is really exciting. So when people talk about um, dead being dead people being raised, we can say, well, do you know what? We've prayed. We've seen that happen. That's really, really exciting. And um, Jesus has still got the record in terms of like four days dead, I think four days buried. That's pretty cool. I don't know how many people can improve on that. But what what he's saying is actually there are many things that you're going to do that go beyond what I've done. These are you're going to see greater things. Morning, Raymond. Good to see you, bro. And he said, but actually it's going to happen because I go to the father and he's he's going to explain how that's going to work. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So he's saying, you know, the, actually you're going to have access to God now that the veil is about to be ripped open. <laughs> Good to see you, Raymond. Um, the veil has been ripped open in the temple and you have access now to my father direct through me through my torn body that is torn open so that you can enter into the most holy place you can now ask the father for whatever you want he's your father same as he's my father i'm giving i i'm taking you to where i am he says i go to prepare a place for you that where i am there you may be also He's saying, I have this. When he prayed outside Lazarus's tomb, he said, God, I thank you that you always hear me. What's Jesus saying? Paul, Paul White in England, I've go to prepare a place for you. This place for you right now, you have access to the father. He's your father, same as he's my father. You can pray the prayer. God, I thank you that you always hear me. Father, I thank you that you always, because I'm bringing you to where I am. So it's not just when I die. It's not just about heaven, but it's about now, about here and now. And then verse 15, he makes this beautiful promise. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Wow. Jesus is saying, I'm going to send someone to you. I'm going to send another like myself. He, the, the word there is, um, in Greek, is like another helper, a comforter, a paraclete, someone who's alongside you to help you and support you and train you and teach you. He's a teacher, a comforter, a help, a strength, all of those things. And he's another one like me. So when Jesus says another, the apparently the experts tell us that it's another of the same order. It's another one like me. And he's the one who I'm sending to you. <clears throat> he says, I, the world can't receive him. He's, he's different. The world neither sees him nor knows him. Right. And then here's the here's the really important one that helps us to understand the whole idea of the Trinity. He says, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So Jesus, how what, how does the Holy Spirit dwell with the disciples before Pentecost? He dwells with the disciples in Jesus. So Jesus is literally full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the unfiltered, 
undiluted presence of God on the earth at the time. There he is. And he dwells with them. He has made his home. (laughs) That word, meno. He's made his abode with them. He dwells with them. It's that same word. He's with you. He's dwelling with you. Because I'm here. I'm, I'm dwelling with you. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is dwelling with you. Therefore, you know the Holy Spirit. Because he's the one you've been watching performing miracles and signs and wonders and all these things over the last three years. You, every time I've opened my mouth to preach, the words I've spoken to you are spirit in their life. He says, I, you know the Holy Spirit because you've seen him. You've laid down next to him when you've gone to sleep in the field on the way to somewhere. (laughs) You sat next to him and had a meal. You've leant your head against him, John, and rested against his chest and felt that incredible safety and warmth and tenderness and mercy. Ah, insane levels of kindness. This is the Holy Spirit. He says, you know him. The world doesn't know him. The world can't receive him. Why can't the world receive him? Because we have to receive Jesus first. We have to receive the one the Father has sent and then he can pour the Holy Spirit on us. We'll get to that. He says, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So at the moment he's dwelt with you, but he's going to be in you. And so what happened at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came, he came into the disciples just like he was in Jesus. And that then becomes the pattern and that becomes the normal Christian life and to be a Christian and not filled with the Holy Spirit is not normal that's not the normal Christian life that's something else I don't know what we could call it but it's it's disappointing and hard work I'm gonna (laughs) start as a starter so verse 18 he says I will not leave you as orphans right well Jesus isn't their dad kind of is he? And yet he said, the father dwells in me. I'm the father's house. (laughs) In the father's house are many mansions. There are many dwelling places. I'm the father's house because he dwells in me. (laughs) He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. So if I go, do I take the father with me? Is that that it for you? Are you now left on your own? He says, no, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Right, well, he's just said, it's going to be somebody else who comes, the Holy Spirit. But he's saying, I will come to you. (laughs) This is really important because people don't understand the Trinity and they they kind of think it doesn't work. And they think, oh, it's a kind of Christians have made up this theology. This is this is the it's Jesus just talking about the Trinity without using the exact word. And he's saying the father dwells in me. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're not going to be orphans anymore. The father's going to be fathering you through the Holy Spirit. But actually, I'm going to come to you. So I'm here, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be he. When the Holy Spirit comes, you're getting me. Isn't that incredible? So Jesus is like saying, guys, this is this is a package deal. You have signed up to the best possible thing you can imagine. 
you're not going to be orphans. I'm not, the father's not going to leave you just because I'm going back to him. You're not going to lose that beautiful sense of intimacy and love and acceptance that you've enjoyed from the father whilst I've been with you because he dwells in me. But actually the Holy Spirit is going to come and it's me coming to you. So I'm still here, <laughs> but I'm there. <laughs> Amazing. Right. <clears throat> this is so cool. And he says, in yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father. And, uh, so let me read this again. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. This is John 17. We get to this again in Jesus's incredibly famous high priestly prayer. We get to this again. In that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That means show myself, demonstrate myself, make myself evident to him or her. Please just substitute her in the appropriate places to make it speak to you if you're a woman. Because this is this is just really, really important. He says, in that day, you will know that I'm in my father and you in me and I in you. This is Jesus's um, promise this is his kind of legacy is that we his disciples become caught up in that wonderful unity between father son holy spirit we become part of that and we become the expression of that on the earth um, because the holy spirit fills us to such a degree that he transforms us and he brings the very nature of Jesus into us. And so he says, but I'm going to manifest myself to him. So that him or her, that person who is in that relationship with me, I'm just going to show myself to them. I'm going to reveal myself. And do you know what? I do believe that as we walk with him, he shows himself more and more and more. And we see his acts of kindness and we see his acts of love to us. And in even in dark times and difficult times, when we feel like, man, I've got a mountain to climb or I'm in this deep valley, that he's there with us in the most incredible way. He gives himself to us. He does not abandon us and leave us as orphans. And so Jesus said, um, uh, where are we? And I will, I will, he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him. They're this, they, they can't, one can't love us and the other not. Hi, Harry. If the Father loves us, Jesus loves us. If Jesus is loving us, the Father's loving us. If the Holy Spirit's dwelling in us, the Father's dwelling in us. If the Holy Spirit's dwelling in us, Jesus is dwelling in us. Do you know what I'm saying? And he, so he who, and Judas, verse 22, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home in him. And we were talking about in my father's house are many dwellings, manu uh, 
menu or whatever the word is there. I've forgotten it already. Um, this is the same thing. He's now saying that the Father and Jesus will make their dwelling in us. So Jesus has just been saying, I'm going to, there's many, many dwellings in my father's house, in my father's household, where I'm, I'm bringing you into right now through the sacrifice of my body on the cross. He's saying also right now is the father and Jesus are going to make their dwelling in us. It's just incredible, isn't it? So when we as children used to say, oh, Lord, I invite Jesus into my heart. He comes. Revelation chapter three, verse 20 says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door, I'll come in and I'll sit down and I'll eat with them. It's like he wants to dwell in us. He wants us to dwell in him. And him to dwell in us. And when Jesus comes, the Father comes, the Holy Spirit comes, and we all have the best party ever. Right. So he says, <laughs> we will make our home with him. Verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So he's saying, this is so important that you hear this. This is not me, a man speaking on my own. These are the words of God himself. These are the words of the Father. These things I've spoken to you while I am still with you, verse 25. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Remember, Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's about to be betrayed by one of their own circle, their own friends. Hi, Alistair. He's a, the, there is about to be a great darkness come on the earth at the point of Jesus's death there is a great upheaval about to happen graves are going to be opened people are going to walk around the streets who were dead and Jesus is saying do not let your hearts be troubled I'm giving you a gift I'm giving you peace I'm giving you a special kind of peace this is a peace the world can't have the world can't understand it it's not and he says, listen, when the Holy Spirit that I've promised comes, he's going to make sense of a lot of these things for you. It's going to start to fall into place. And John tells us that precisely that happened. He says, we understood these things after he died. Morning wills um, and rose again. So after Jesus was glorified, we began to understand these things. And so he says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, so Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist said, one who comes after me will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. But then Jesus is saying the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit in my name, which is incredibly, this interrelationship is what John really does explain so well and unpack so well. And he's going to teach you and he's going to teach you all things. He's going to guide you into all truth. And then he says, peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. Just want to say this one thing. Right. I'm going to wrap up real short, real quickly. When Jesus spoke to the storm from the boat and he said, peace be still. He released the peace 
that was inside of him which was bigger than the storm out there and the environment that is inside Jesus as he speaks it comes out and peace comes into that situation and there is something peace the peace of God is not passive it's not the absence of conflict it's act, it's active it's the presence of Jesus himself the prince of peace and when we speak peace into a situation when the disciples went to a house and they said shalom they weren't just doing a hebrew greeting they were introducing the prince of peace into this house and he said and jesus said if if there is a man of peace there my peace will remain if not it'll come back to you he's saying i'm going to be in you like an active ingredient of peace i'm going to bring I'm going to drive away. I'm going to not just, it's not just going to be like, oh, you won't have anxiety. I'm going to drive anxiety right out of you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't give in to, I'm giving you something so much more powerful. My goodness, we need all day. Here we go. So let me wrap this up. He says, verse 28, you heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you if you loved me you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. So although Jesus is saying there's something you're going to be enjoying now, there is an ultimate fulfillment of that when we're with him forever. He's going to the Father, and he said you should be actually excited about that because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I, and now I've told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Wow. Jesus is saying things are about to get really dark. The prince of this world is coming, but listen to me. He has no claim on me he cannot have me he cannot keep me even though i die the death of a criminal even though you'll see me thrown into a rock hewn tomb he cannot keep me he has no claim on me john john's gospel wills chapter 14 um and so he says but i do as the father commanded me so that the world may know that i love the father how awesome. Jesus, let your Holy Spirit fill us today. Oh, Lord, let the power of the risen Savior be in us today. Let that peace that passes all understanding be in us today. Let our words be powerful and full of that active ingredient of your spirit and life in Jesus name. Amen. Have a great day, everyone.